June 28th. Our reading in the New Testament today will be from the book of Acts, chapter 18, verse 23, through chapter 19, verse 12. We read about Aquila and Priscilla, husband and wife. They appear several times in apostolic history, and they were very important workers in the early church. They're always mentioned together because they were a team. Now, being Jews, they were expelled from Rome. As a result, they met Paul in Corinth and opened their home to him. Paul left them in Ephesus, where they helped Apollos better understand the gospel. They returned to Rome, where they had a church in their home. Now, we don't know how they risked their lives for Paul, but their actions show how much they loved him. They were with Paul in Ephesus when he wrote 1 Corinthians. So perhaps it had something to do with the the riot described over in Acts chapter 19. You know, in his last epistle, Paul sent loving greetings to them. So he held them, Aquila and Priscilla, in very high esteem. Every pastor is grateful to God for couples like Priscilla and Aquila, whose hearts, hands, and homes are completely given to the Lord. And with that... Let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. June 28th, Acts chapter 18, verse 23, through chapter 19, verse 12. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul went back to Galatia and Phrygia, visiting all the believers, encouraging them and helping them to grow in the Lord. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the Scriptures well, had just arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and talked to others with great enthusiasm and accuracy about Jesus. However, he knew only about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God more accurately. Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him in this. They wrote to the believers in Achaia, asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who by God's grace had believed. He refuted all the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them, The Messiah you are looking for is Jesus. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior provinces. Finally he came to Ephesus, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? he asked them. No, they replied. We don't know what you mean. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? he asked. And they replied, The baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism was to demonstrate a desire to turn from sin and turn to God. John himself told the people to believe in Jesus, the one John said would come later. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God but some rejected his message and publicly spoke against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. 
Then he began preaching daily at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years, so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the Lord's message. God gave Paul the power to do unusual miracles, so that even when handkerchiefs or cloths that had touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases, and any evil spirits within them came out. God-given dreams have you and I left unrealized because fear placed us in a prison that we could not escape from? Let me ask us another question. How many God accomplishments with your name written on them, with my name written on them, have gone unaccomplished because fear paralyzed us. Think about that question. So here's the deal. If you and I continue, if you continue to live in fear, your family, your friends, your church, and the world will miss your unique contribution. Now let me say it a little bit more theologically and a little bit more strongly. You and I will rob God of his glory if we remain in fear. And I don't want to be a glory thief. But imagine if you will being on your deathbed and standing around your bed, the ghost of the dreams, the ideas, the abilities, the talents given to you by life, you for whatever reason. You never pursued those dreams. You never acted on those ideas. You never used those gifts. And there they are standing around your bed looking at you with large angry eyes saying, we came to you and only you could have given us life. And now we must die with you forever. And the question is, if you die today, what dreams, what ideas, what leadership, what books, What gifts will die with you? Very good friend that I lost recently, Miles Monroe, said, the wealthiest place on the planet is not in the Far East where there's oil in the ground. It's not in South Africa where there are diamond mines. He said, the wealthiest place on the planet is the cemetery. Because there you find potential never realized. There you find dreams never pursued. There you find people allow themselves to be imprisoned by fear and living a small life. Maybe that's why one woman asked in a moment of anguish, what if you live your whole life only to discover it was wrong? Maybe that's why Henry David Thoreau said, oh God, to reach the point of death, only to realize that you've never lived, only to realize that you've never scraped the surface of your potential. Are you tired of being stuck in fear? Well, God wants to give us courage to face our fear. Trust me. Fear became a friend because it pushed me to my daddy. Let me say that again. Fear became a friend because it pushed me to my daddy. So when the enemy knocks on the door, I let Jesus answer it because he takes me to my daddy. How about you? Where does fear take you to? A bottle? Prescriptions? So I went down there and I preached and note cards have fallen out of my pocket and shared my story. And at the end of it, a bunch of people came to Jesus. And God was like, see, I got this. What's your lo and behold moment that fear is right there, but you're paralyzed because 
you're afraid of your fear more than you love the glory of God. Maybe it's a broken marriage. And if you let people know that you're actually human and there's cracks and fractures in your life, but being afraid that people will actually know that you're human, that's why Jesus went to the cross because he knows that we're broken. If you're hurting here today, we have a savior who longs and loves to touch hurting people with his grace. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe your wife keeps telling you, you know, sweetie, I think you got a problem. A bottle of wine every night is a problem. Maybe for some of you, you're coasting through life and not really challenging yourself because you're afraid to fail. I'd rather try and fail than to never try. What you waiting on? Tomorrow's not promised. For some of you, God has some eptastic things right in your midst. Oh my gosh, what if I would allow my fear of stuttering to prevent me from going to Columbia, South Carolina in the fall of 1999. How many lives would not be impacted? I want you to feel the weight of this. What is God putting on your heart? What is that beautiful song in his symphony that he wants you to sing and you have that special note? Maybe some of you are afraid. Well, I like what you said, preacher, man. That was good. It got me going. But if I do something like that, I'll have to give up this stuff. Guys, in America, we've proven that we can get a lot of stuff. But have we proven that we can actually live? Stuff does not equate to life. Maybe right now you're thinking... You know, Pastor Derwin, I, 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 I feel what, what you're saying. I really do. But if I had this, I could. If I had this, I would. If I had this, I should. Don't live a woulda, coulda, shoulda life. You've got the Lord. You got everything you need right now in Jesus. Everything you need right now in him. I don't know what your giant is, but you have it. Attack your fear by trusting Christ. That's going to look very different and very unique in all of our lives. But in God's providence, that will be the case. And God doesn't want us to be paralyzed by fear. He wants that fear to move us to press into him so that he can fight our battles for his glory. Today, the Lord will conquer you. Today, God will heal my marriage. Today, God will touch the deepest and broken parts of my life. Today, the Lord will
Today we're reading Psalm 146, verses 1 through 10. And praise is an evidence of life. That's what this psalm is all about. Now, not just physical life either, but the life of God in the heart. Praise is an encouragement to love also. Your love for God and others, and God's love for you. When you love someone, well, you trust that person. And greater trust brings a greater love. Life, faith, hope, and love all are bound up in this wonderful experience of praise. Psalm 146, verses 1 through 10. Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord, I tell myself. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God, even with my dying breath. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When their breathing stops, they return to the earth, and in a moment all their plans come to an end. But happy are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the one who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He is the one who keeps every promise forever, who gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts the burdens of those bent beneath their loads. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and widows, but He frustrates the plans of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. O Jerusalem, your God is King in every generation. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 18, verses 2 and 3. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. When the wicked arrive, contempt, shame, and disgrace are sure to follow. <laughs>